Welcome to the Procurement Show. Hello and welcome to The Procurement Show, the show that tackles the topics we all need to think about and sets out to explore the more interesting bits of procurement. I'm Jonathan O'Brien. And I'm Paul Philpott. I'm here to ask the questions you might want to ask and also keep Jonathan topped up with coffee. This week, we are looking at digital procurement and where to start if you want to enable a procurement function for the future of procurement with the right digital tools and the right digital thinking. The Procurement Show is brought to you by Positive Purchasing. Enabling the future of procurement in organizations around the globe. So we thought we'd invite somebody who's doing this right now for one of the biggest companies providing agricultural science and technology, in particular seeds and crop protection products. Syngenta has the ambition to help safely feed the world while taking care of the planet. We are very pleased to welcome to the Procurement Show the Head of Procurement Centre of Excellence for Syngenta, Ian Platt. Ian, welcome along to the Procurement Show. Great that you could join us today. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you very much for inviting me. You're very welcome. So everybody's talking talking about digital procurement. Even people who don't know what it means. Yeah, and on this show many times we're struggling with this word digital. It just means whatever you want it to it mean. It does. So digital procurement, whatever that is. And I think the point is that it seems to mean all manner of things and can be quite overwhelming. Mm. Let's think about what Syngenta's done here. Why did Syngenta decide that digital needs to be part of the procurement strategy moving forward? There are so many opportunities to be taken as part of a digital journey and what we're trying to do is focus on how we improve the day-to-day experience of the buying community through the delivery of a range of actionable intelligence in a visually appealing format and of course one of the other objectives is to look at how do we achieve better outcomes as we work with our supply partners and the breadth of digital opportunity is one that was just too big to ignore so we started about 12 months ago to start to look at what steps can we take to not only be part of the journey, but start to lead where we could deliver value for our own internal procurement community. You say steps. Let's put ourselves into the mindset of an organisation who wants to take those steps to move forward within the digital space when it comes to procurement. Okay, when we talk of it, I instantly think it means something like buying an entire new system or getting something designed specifically for your organisation. And you look at providers and suppliers and there are so many tech companies working within this space. What is the starting point? Well, I guess the answer is going to be different for everybody. Lots of organizations are at very different stages of development or maturity. And you're quite right. When people do look for digital solutions, they quite often look at enterprise-wide systems that does the sourcing right the way through to the payment. And those kinds of tools are not only incredibly important, but incredibly powerful. But what we're also seeing is that there are opportunities to augment those platforms with best of breed tools or people are referring to Fury apps or apps or robotic process automation and chatbots. The breadth of what can be incorporated into digital is quite wide now. And working through what's important for each organization will very much depend on what each organization wants to achieve out of it. You mentioned Mm. a very interesting point. You said about organisations. Each organisation may be at a certain level of maturity. Does that mean that you might not even be ready as an organisation for digital yet? If you haven't got your 
offline stuff sorted, how yeah. on earth can you go about taking this online, That's Jonathan? That's a great question. I think you're right. I don't think many organisations are ready for digital, but I don't think they even know what digital is because there's a whole bunch of things you said there today, Ian. You said Fury apps. Never heard that one. No. That's a new one. It sounds like an Angry Birds game or something. It does. And I think, you know, there's a real danger in this space. We can be overwhelmed. And it's almost like today there's islands of technology that if you think, hey, we're going to buy a digital thing, let's go and buy a thing. Mm -hmm. But it's an island of technology. Either it's part of an enterprise resource package or it's part of an e-sourcing package or it does some sort of market analysis. But there's no kind of magic button here Mm -hmm. where you can get that single point of truth about what's happening in your supply base with your supply suppliers. And just now, Ian, you said actionable intelligence and better outcomes, which kind of implies we need something joined up if we're going to make the right decisions. So how can we begin to have some sort of digital strategy if everything's so fragmented? Yeah, that's a good one. That was something that challenged us at the beginning. There are a number of things to bear in mind. Number one is think about where you want to end up. So for us, we had this vision of that single point of reference that people could go to and access both what they're traditionally used to getting from individual sources, but have that comparative ability to look at multiple data sources. And the challenge that we had was, to your point, these islands of information. And what we did was we undertook, if you like, an audit, for want of a better phrase, so that we could build a library of data points right the way across the organization that looked at whether it sat on procurement platforms or that it sits on servers with outside of procurement. We also run SharePoints and Smartsheets, and we've got a whole bunch of data that sits on people's desktops. So the first thing that we did after we decided what we wanted to achieve, and that is very much in its own right changing as we go through the journey, is looked at what we have right the way across the organization and then start to think about where the value lies in coordinating and bringing together different data points that would allow the buyers to either act more quickly or make different database decisions. Ian, I want you to be brutally honest here, because my experience with regards to digital platforms in lots of different industries tends to be that it's been led by really good salespeople Mm. and organisations have been convinced to take on this platform, that platform, another platform. We know that there are some really bad examples out there which have been rolled out globally by organizations so where do you think we are at the moment with regards to digital procurement and what's it going to be like in five to ten years time again it comes down to the organization i know there are lots of firms out there who've already made some quite significant steps in this area for us data is at a point where we're using tools to access and begin to interpret data. And we're not at a bad stage in the journey. We have a whole range of tools, but in many instances, they are isolated tools that we have to Mm. interrogate individually. Where we should be and where we will be in the future is what people are referring to as predictive, prescriptive, and insight analytics-led data. So these things will pop up on your phone and say a risk is occurring as a result of an activity that's taking place somewhere else in the world or as part of the supply chain is being impacted by either geopolitical or natural catastrophe incidents. So we're very much moving from accessing data 
to having data delivered to us that is already either prescriptive or insight that allows us to take action. That's a brilliant insight, predictive, prescriptive and insights. And that actually builds on something that we learned here on the procurement show on the last episode because we had Chris Lance on and he talked about how important data is into the future and the value of data. But of course, you've got to be able to do something with it. The Procurement Show, exploring the more interesting bits about procurement. And now, the Procurement Fun Fact. This edition's exciting tale of preposterous procurement, bizarre buying, or simply saucy sourcing. Want to know some of the weirdest things people have ever bought at auctions? Here are a few courtesy of Time magazine. There is a grilled cheese sandwich, which uh, apparently bore a portrait of Virgin Mary. That sold for $28,000 in 2004. The Florida woman who had made it 10 years earlier said it never went mouldy. Hmm, strange. Then there's clippings of Justin Bieber's hair, <laughs> which, get this, fetched $40,000 in 2011. And you could have bought this on eBay, actually. It went for £1,150, a suit of armour for a guinea pig. Mm-hmm. Then a number four of the strangest things ever bought was a fun-filled weekend with four Australian men that went for $920 in 2006. Would that have been something you would have fancied, Paul? Weekend with you. Thank you. You say the nicest things. And the and the final <laughs> craziest thing that was ever bought at an auction was the meaning of life, which sold for an incredible $3.26 in 2000. The seller wrote, I've discovered the reason for our existence and will be happy to share this information with the highest bidder. Eight people bid. Eight. Eight. The Procurement Fun Fact. Contact us by email. Hello at theprocurementshow.com. Send us a tweet at Procurement Show or connect with us on LinkedIn. Search for The Procurement Show. I just want to come back to what you said just now, where you said we started by looking at what people had on their desktops, what data they had, what data they were using. And that kind of implies that there's this Somewhere along the journey, you've brought all that stuff together. So mm -hmm. how did you think about what you need in terms of data and digital, to overuse those words, instead of just going and buying some sort of technological solution? We do it in two ways. The first, and I mentioned very early on, is lots of what we're doing, in fact, most of what we're doing is biocentric. So the first question to ask is, what do the buyers need to improve their experience or to improve their efficiency. And the easiest way to find that out is to ask them. We run a range of engagement sessions right the way across the various procurement teams around the Syngenta world to look at what kind of improvements the buyers would like and what kinds of outputs they would want from any kind of digital activity that we undertake. The second is I have a subset within my team that is focusing on horizon scanning. And what we do is we look at those new technologies and whether it's a tool or an app and we attend the conferences and identify what the latest technologies are and we bring those in. And what we do is we try and combine the needs of the buyers with the availability of the technology outside and then think about how we manage that within my group to deliver an outcome that will best serve the requirements of the procurement community, but at the same time, help with managing the budget that I have, which mm. is limited. As we've said before, there are lots and lots of tools out there. You need to be quite selective about the ones that you bring in. You mentioned data quite a few times. Yeah. It all seems to come back down to data, yet the irony is that data 
is quite a disjointed thing and we haven't really got the data about where the data is. That data might make us great and it might Mm -hmm. not be there, it might not be in the right place. How do we go about bringing data to where we want it to be? And then when we've got data in the right place, you mentioned about data influencing and informing buying decisions. We're going to have to look at some kind of AI as well, aren't we, to handle all this data? Yeah, absolutely. Lots of people listening to the podcast will already be involved with data consolidation and Mm. data collection. What most organizations are referring to nowadays is the data lake concept, which is where you API lots of those islands of information into a central source. And then you build something called a management information object that puts a handle on that data set for you and allows you to extract it. The key things about the extraction are how you extract it and into what visualization format. So how do you want to see what you're pulling out of the data lake? And what kinds of data do you want to compare it to? So everybody will have some kind of spend tool, but how do you compare the spend of a given supplier or a category to the risk of that category or supplier? How do you bring in the ESG data or the natural catastrophe data to give you what you would like to see as an overall position for that particular supplier so that you can start to focus on the areas where you can both benefit from building stronger relationships and driving better outcomes. And you say APIing data together, is that so where you get... That's the interface, right? That's, right? that's how you yeah. join one thing to another thing, the API, yeah, the application uh-huh. interface. And Data Lake, that's another new one. But we've talked about big data on the procurement show many times. And I presume that's the same thing, big data or a data lake. You're accessing a big body of data that's somewhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the great thing is it doesn't all have to be procurement data. Mm. When organizations start building this data lake concept, lots of different data sources go in. What's important for us as a procurement community is to focus on those areas where we can take value out. But there are also other things in there because we're an agricultural technology organization. Mm. We'll have things like weather patterns in there. So if you want to bring in your weather pattern at your local supplier to see what the weather's like, you can do that. You can bring in political information about distribution ports in parts of the world, whether or not there's strike action on. And that will be fed in by other parts of our own organization, but may be of use to procurement and sourcing as they're looking at supply chain activities. So it feels like this, as we sort of move forward, being able to figure out what data you need, what you're going to do with it, how you're then going to process it and display it and access it and use it for that predictive, prescriptive insights thing. You need a really good resource to do that. And so far, we've talked about going and buying a system, buying a thing. But what about doing this internally? Because, you know, I know of some brilliant data scientists and Mm -hmm. literally they've come into the organization And either just on a spreadsheet, they've been able to do things that the rest of us wouldn't even know is possible on a spreadsheet, or take it to the next step, and they're writing simple Python language, they are creating algorithms, they say, look, if we take that bit of data there, and you give me access to that bit of data, I can write a thing in Python that allows us to be able to process it in some way. That's a technical term, isn't it? Writing a thing. I think they call it algorithms. I think that's the technical term. And you actually use some sort of machine learning to then create something that takes one data set 
learns from it, and it then gives you a different level of insight. So you're beginning to build in the basics of intelligence there. Can you do this stuff internally? What can you do if you get a few really good data geeks and equip them with the tools they need? We're really fortunate that we are doing it internally. We have a fantastic data and analytics team that supports the whole of the business that we work very closely with. But I also have three guys in my own team that are either already partway on the journey in terms of having the capability or growing their experience as we go. So yes, you can do it internally. Spreadsheets and smart sheets are all well and good and are incredibly valuable, but there comes a point where you need the level of complexity and the volumes of data really just needs to move beyond that. And that's where you need these individuals and teams with specific data skill sets that do allow you to build in that additional functionality and take that next step forward. You pick up on a really good point there. You mentioned that you've got a great team within Syngenta, but in terms of building what's needed for the procurement world, in fact, for the world in general, somebody has to build this. And I have a fear that we're starting to get into a situation where there are skills gaps. Is the skill set there? How do we plan for the future? I think the skill set is there, but at the moment, everybody wants the same skills at the same time. Mm. So attracting the talent and retaining the talent is probably the big challenge. And some of the ways that you can deal with that is hiring in the right people and then looking at how you retain and develop them. But the other is about developing internal capability. So for the guys and girls that we have that are involved in this kind of data activity day to day, we're looking at very specific targeted development activities for them that contribute to the digital journey that the organization wants to undertake. There's also a broader piece that talks about the wider community. We have maybe 400 or so procurement and sourcing individuals with different levels of understanding around what the digital world looks and feels like. So we also run a range of digital and bite-sized awareness sessions to uplift the awareness right the way across the piece so that when we do engage in conversations about how do we build an RPA to help you out, they understand the language and they understand the direction. It's time to Ask Jonathan. And today's Ask Jonathan is from David Payne, who writes... I am new to running an EMEA-wide indirect procurement team, having moved internally from managing a large international transactional function and with a background in process improvement. Obviously, I have a lot to learn, and your podcast is helping me understand the industry and best practices. That's very nice of you to say so. Mm. My question is, writes David, in your opinion, Jonathan, what are the best things to focus on in my first week, month, and six months? Brilliant. Thanks for getting in touch, David. So, I once asked a very senior person who joined a company I worked for, how do you know what to tackle when you start? He was an operations director in a really big company, and I Good happened question. to share a car with him. And he said, well, what I do is I focus on doing lots of little things that will make a difference. Because he said, if you just tackle a big thing, nobody's going to see anything for six months, and they'll all wonder what you're doing. And I think that's a brilliant bit mm. of advice. Hit the ground, tackle lots of little things. So I think there's a number of things to look at. The first is look at the team you've got. What sort of capability do they have? Have you got any stars there? Or do you need to do something with them in terms of getting them to where you need them to be? The second, building on what Ian said today, you've got to think about what data you've got and what information have you got? Do you know your spend? What else do you know? And what do you need 
And then it's about what are the opportunities? You know, I don't want to use that phrase low hanging fruit, but where are the opportunities in the business? And you're only going to understand that if you understand your spend and which areas of spend you might want to work on and also which suppliers are important to you. So you need to begin to think about that. And again, in the first sort of months and six months, you can't do that properly, but you can begin to get a feel for it. And I think once you've kind of figured out which way is up, it's about where do you want to be and setting out some medium term objectives in terms of what sort of training do you need? What sort of systems are you going to need? What are the goals that you're going to agree that you're going to head towards? And how are you going to begin to set up the right governance for success? So within the first week, month and six months, figure out which way is up. Do lots of little things that people will see, understand your current situation and then figure out what you're going to need to put in place to be able to head towards some bigger targets. Great questionnaire. Thank you, David, for sending that one in. And actually, good answer there, Jonathan, as Thank well. You. If you want to ask Jonathan, here's how to get in touch. Ask Jonathan. Email your question to jonathan at theprocurementshow.com. You might be part of the next show. The Procurement Show. The latest thinking, the greatest insights. So we talk a lot about sustainability on the procurement show because it is, of course, you know, probably the biggest topic of the moment right now. And what we're seeing is that sustainability, suddenly there's this kind of emergency need for new systems, especially around being able to see what's happening in a supply chain, know the flow of things, where stuff has come from, and of course, understand the levels of emission throughout the supply chain and have that visibility. So if we kind of throw that in as probably a pretty critical need right now, how can the development of data and digital begin to give us those solutions? There are a range of different ways. I mean, anything that improves visibility into tier one, tier two, and beyond mm. tier two, that allows us to understand human rights, trade controls, equality, as well as beginning to increasingly focus on things like carbon waste and water. Anything that we can do in that space that provides the buyers, but also the suppliers with some shared visibility that allows us to target the areas that we're going to focus on is going to be incredibly valuable. And you mentioned algorithms a few moments ago, Jonathan. One of the key things that's available now are a range of stylized algorithms that will allow you to web crawl to identify what's being said on one of your suppliers' websites that helps you identify whether or not they have a science-based target or whether or not they have a certification in diversity. And that kind of algorithmic search functionality is only going to increase as we go forward. And what it will do is increase our access to understanding what's happening in that tier two, tier three level of the supply base that helps us drive improvements in sustainability through nothing but improved visibility and focus. So many of these solutions might actually just kind of appear rather than having to go and find a particular platform. These are the things that are just appearing and suddenly are available on our desktop because somebody has realized, actually, if we create a web crawl function that looks at suppliers' websites, we can find out whether they're serious about sustainability or emissions right now. Interesting. Yeah. We often talk about category management on yeah. the program as well. How does all of this, Jonathan, fit into that methodology? Well, that's a great question. I wanted to ask Ian that as well, because as you know, I've worked with a lot of companies for many years, helping them do category management and supplier relationship management. And still many companies are using traditional approaches where mm. you know, you're working a series of tools and you're coming up with a strategy and you're implementing it, which is absolutely still sound. Yet 
take that into the digital world and suddenly, you know, it feels like there's a world of opportunity there to not move away from that, but use that as the kind of backbone for doing something completely different because we now have the ability to do that. So I guess the question I have, Ian, is how do you think a modern data-driven approach can change our approach to how we do category management and how we manage our relationships with key suppliers. Yeah, I'm going to particularly pick up on the supplier relationship piece, if you don't mind, because I'm quite excited by that space myself. There are a number of areas that you can look at. Once the data is readily available within your own organization, and one would like to think that it's readily available within the supplier's organization, there's an opportunity there to marry the two up and provide collaborative workspaces where you can talk to your suppliers about not the traditional price quality delivery, because I'd like to think lots of that has been sorted in many instances, but you can start to think about developing your supplier for the future. You Mm. can start to talk about innovation that the supplier can bring into you. You can start to talk about things like speed to market and ESG improvements, and they can all be shared on a common platform where you go into your SRM quarterly business review, Mm. and you've both already got all of the data and you can start to use data-driven points to take forward and agree a priority Mm. because you both have shared objectives on trusted data. And from a category management perspective, and anything that helps move the category to a more balanced scorecard, say, I don't think procurement's ever going to move away from savings, but there are so much more that should be built into the category yep. strategy. And the greater amounts of data that you have available, the more informed decisions you can make as you start to focus on what that category should be delivering. And do you think that we could automate that? Because currently developing a really good category strategy needs a lot of advanced skills skill. But it feels like some of that could be automated if we can plug straight into the data lakes, the right data lakes, then you could actually begin to create some intelligence in that. Yeah, there are already some digital category strategy tools that are available. Of course, the important piece is the quality of the content that you put into it. That's where drawing it from the data lake or using these skills that the buyers have, the procurement community skill set is still incredibly powerful just to help hone where the category strategy focuses and the steps that you take with those core suppliers that you're developing. Mm -hmm. What's the perfect world then look like to you? Blue skies and deep, lovely, warm data lakes that you can go in. Unicorns Unicorns and data lakes you can go and take a dip in (laughs) when you've got a spare five or ten minutes. With a unicorn. Because a lot of this conversation that we've had today from both of you gentlemen, it's been kind of ideal world scenario, isn't it? So what is the ideal world? For me, and I put a little bit of thought into this question, and I came up with a movie analogy. Tom Cruise in Minority Report, when you look at him and he's trying to track down the perpetrators, he puts his little controller glove on and he's swiping screens from side to side. All of that's doable now. You Mm. pop on a virtual reality headset and you've got your controller in your hand. What we're lacking is the right data in front of us to be able to manipulate and deep dive those screens. So what does the future look like? If it looks like that, then I don't think we're too far from it. It's just a question of taking those steps to populate the data and train people to utilize the depth of insight that's available. And of course, then the next step is about the AI you mentioned and us not trying to draw conclusions, but being given the opportunity to look at conclusions that have already been drawn because there's something in there that we've built that's telling us what the outcome could look like. 
a lot of exciting stuff. Yeah, Actually, absolutely. the procurement show is listened to by a lot of people, not yeah. just individuals who work within the procurement landscape. Is any of this technology going to cascade down to the consumer experience? Is this anything that we're going to see as our buyers in our own right? And if so, what effect do you think it will have? If we're not careful, the consumers, as they do with things like mobile phones, are going to lead the way. As businesses, we really do have a responsibility to our owners, our shareholders, our customers to make sure that we keep pace. Lots of the technology is already available. We just need to think about how we bring it together to drive the outcomes. This has been predictive, prescriptive and hugely insightful. Ian Platt, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on The Procurement Show. We have learnt so much about data. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you both. You've been listening to The Procurement Show. Contact us by email, hello at theprocurementshow.com. Connect with us on LinkedIn, search for The Procurement Show and on Twitter at Procurement Show. Visit us at theprocurementshow.com. The Procurement Show is brought to you by Positive Purchasing, enabling the future of procurement in organizations around the globe. Copyright Positive Purchasing, all rights reserved. Produced by Fresh Air Studios.